eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone. As he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, Now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome, everybody, to a very special edition of Turning Two with Booney. I'm the executive producer of the Boone Podcast, Rich Ferra, along with Gold Glover, Silver Slugger, Dad of the Year, Son of the Year, uh, and professional podcaster, Brett Boone. Booney, how are you? I'm good, Rich. We got a good one today, huh? Oh, we have a good one today. Now, as executive <laughs> producer of this podcast, I've been begging for about a year. Actually, my wife's been begging for about a year for a return of Sue Boone. And, Brett, you know, the only reason I like working with you is Bob was my favorite player as a kid growing up. So we've been begging to have the Boons join us on the podcast, and that's exactly what we're going to have today. Please welcome uh, one of my favorite players of all time and the matriarch of the uh, Boone family, Bob and Sue Boone, our special guest here on Turning Two with Booney. Mr. and Mrs. Boone, it is such a pleasure to be able to talk with you today. Well, we're excited to to have a little time with you guys, so and to hear your breath a little bit. So, I just got done playing golf, so I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> so you're a lot like your son, then? <laughs> no, I can't play a lick. No, no, Rich, I'm a little more mature than my dad. I, I take it for what it is. I, if I have a bad day, I come home, I set the clubs down, and and I and I focus for a better day. But Sue, <laughs> dad, dad just. Dad just rants and raves. He's angry that he stinks. All right. But Sue, on the way home from the golf course, he calls me and tells me about how bad he was. <laughs> talking about talking about Brett. Oh. Well, when I call you, I just tell you about my golf, and it's the same thing all the time. <laughs> well, I, I'm so excited that you're joining us today. I'm turning to with Booney, and um, I feel bad, Brett, because last week was, was Mother's Day, and we forgot to wish your mom a happy Mother's Day. We forgot to wish Krista a happy Mother's Day. So a belated happy Mother's Day to you, Sue. Thank you very much. All right, Brett. Are you ready for us to find out everything that we wanted to know about you? I am uh, ready. Since this podcast has begun? You got it. Shoot. 
do you, are you comfortable staying here with us or do you want to leave the room? Oh, I, I want to listen. Are you sure? <laughs> yes. Because we're going to go. Turning two with Booney, Rich, it's good for me. I, I'm in He's the. going to get uh, embarrassed. Yeah. Oh. I'm, in the, I'm in the number two seat. It's great. I just sit back and listen. All right. So we're going to explore the mind of Brett, Aaron, and Matthew Boone on the program today. So, Brett, I'll let you chime in where you want if you think the stories are going the wrong way. You got it. Okay. So the first question I have for, for, for Mr. and Mrs. Boone, tell us the difference between the boys. Uh, obviously, you, you, you have the three sons. You have Brett, the oldest, and then you have Aaron, and then you have Matt. Uh, tell me the difference between Brett, Aaron, and Matthew. I don't know if you have enough time. <laughs> They're all different. <laughs> How so? That was the best hitter, though. What do you mean I was the best defender as well? Well, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of putting myself in there first. Well, all right. I'll, I'll let you tie me. <laughs> I, but, but, you know, again, behind you, don't you have one of your dad's gold gloves? I do. I'm rocking. He's got it so behind. many. He didn't. He doesn't have enough room in the house for him. No, no. I think it's it's the other way around. Dad has more than me. He has so many. He didn't have room. So I rock <laughs> his behind me, next to mine. That's pretty, that's co pretty cool. Sue, <laughs> what's the difference between the boys, personality wise? Personality wise, uh, Aaron is the quietest of the three. Matthew, my youngest, is the most talkative. Brett, it kind of falls in the middle there. Um. They are, oh gosh, personality-wise. Brett and Matthew are probably more similar than Aaron. Aaron's a little, Aaron's like his father in a lot of ways. Quiet, pensive, uh, doesn't talk a lot. He just, uh, and, but golfer. when he does talk, he has something good to say usually. Yeah. I, I like hearing what he has to say. Yeah, we've been watching him. He, he gets into one inning and he gets an argument <laughs> with the umpire and gets thrown out. And I'm sure that happened to me once or twice. That is that is true, Rich. Let me chime in here. It is true. They're, they're both angry men. Dad is angry. Aaron's angry. And we talk about it all the time on the podcast. You know, during my career, I was known as the you know, the, the red ass and, and the chip on his shoulder, the cocky one. And, and Aaron and dad throughout the community, especially major league baseball, what are they known as? Oh, great men, solid <laughs> men of character, but they're, they're mean men and they're angry. <laughs> well, I was going to say, because before it was, you know, Brett hair on fire, Aaron was always very nice and uh, well-spoken. And when he was on TV and now we turn around, um, I, I like watching, uh, YouTube videos and watching Aaron get run just about every other day. <laughs> Dude, trying to hold up his team, <laughs> trying to that, let his players know that he's pulling for them. So Aaron is, Aaron is very loyal, very loyal. So consequently he's going to support his team with everything he's got. And so, that's just how he is. So the three boys. Which was the most, which gave you the most trouble as a kid? Which was the easiest? Brett was the toughest, probably. He pushed my buttons more than the other two. Aaron was absolutely the easiest. Um, never really had to reprimand him for much. Um, and his schoolwork was always really good. Brett and Matthew, you know, they both kind of gave me a run for my money, but, you know. I won a lot of the times. Brett? What? Uh, what? You want to comment? 
No, I think that's pretty accurate. Aaron was the kind of the model son. He, he, when mom said be home at, at, at 10 o'clock, Aaron was home at 9.50. If mom said, Brett, be home at 10, I'd call at 9.59 and say, mom, can I have another 20 minutes? And that's why I worked. Uh, that's how I worked the system. It's, I, uh, you know, I'm raising kids now and especially my twins, which we, we've talked about a bunch in the podcast. Uh, my my other t- we talked about Isaiah crashing the car, but Judah's my one. He's he's charismatic and he pushes the envelope to a point. And, and but he knows when he's about to really get in trouble, he'll back off. That's what I think what I did with mom is I knew oh I'm a, I'm in a little bit of trouble, but now I'll back off and I won't get in too much trouble. Very rarely did I go over that line, but I think mom's right. I definitely pushed up against that line more than more than Aaron and. The thing that's that's unique about, uh, you know, Matthew's situation is when Matthew, we're, we're 10 years difference. So when I was in high school, Matthew was eight years old. When I was in college, you know, Maddie was 10, 11 years old when I was when I was leaving college. So I didn't get those years with Matthew and I was off to the minor league. So I didn't get to see Matthew in in his in his element as a kid because I was I was out doing what I was doing. So uh Mom's going to have the best, definitely the best perspective, but I can agree on, on Aaron being the model kid without a doubt, always had his homework done, always did the right thing, still does. And, and I tease you, I tease Aaron a lot about being mad and getting thrown out of games, but he, he is, he's that he, he's my brother. He's, he's, uh, he is a lot like my dad, impeccable character. They're, they're just good men. They always do the right thing still to this day, even though Aaron yells at umpires, as far as his his road in life, he's he's a pretty solid guy. Bob, how good is Aaron at getting run thrown out of games when he's out there arguing? You managed before. How how good is he at that? Uh, <clears throat> well, he keeps losing every argument, so <laughs> not very good. <laughs> and he's doing it. Uh, uh, he's doing it quick. So uh, hopefully, the the players. He's always defending players, which is right. very important important as the manager so you get that whole team together so they know they're that that skipper's pulling for them uh i didn't get thrown much uh sometimes when i managed but uh uh aaron's 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 superior (laughs) from what i've seen he had he had one argument that was taped uh, a couple years ago that was one of the funniest ones i ever heard what he was telling the umpires that uh he had he had fighters on his team and and uh i never got into it that that much and brett was talking about not being there with his kids i was gone most of the times i played 20 years and and uh, there's a lot of road trips on that so <laughs> mom here was the one that put them all together <laughs> i just go in once in a while tell them what they were doing wrong swinging the bat or something but but uh, I was always on the road. It was 20 years of half of that time you're uh, you were on the, on road trips. So uh, mom had a lot of pressure on her, a lot of pressure. The greatest, the greatest was when Matthew was born and and Sue was pregnant. Uh, Good thing. And, and she was, <laughs> she, they had a, the date down of when she was going to have the baby. And uh, I got selected that year 
to be the starting catcher on the All-Star game. This is 1979, the Seattle All-Star game. And uh, so there was a little pressure on me, and I talked to her, and I said, this was the only only All-Star game that I started. And so I asked her, I said, she's, you know, I'll, I'll bring the boys, I'll bring Brett and, and Aaron with me to Seattle for the, for the game. And my parents will come up and you'll be all right here. Your mom will be here. And she agreed that she would be. Uh, she wasn't really excited about it, but so she was going to have the, the birth at the same time I was starting the all-star game. And, uh, so I, I went there and then got a lot of publicity for it and talking to writers about, well, Bob, you're starting the game here, but your wife is in in uh, New Jersey having a baby tonight. And I said, yeah, but I'm getting to catch the, the All-Star game. And so I got some really vicious email or mails for quite a while after that happened. And she had uh, Matthew the night that I, I started the All-Star game in in, uh, in Seattle. And Brett was there and and uh, Aaron was there. My parents were there. Uh, but I, I missed having, <laughs> I missed being there for Matthew. And boy, you know, that kind of went around a lot. He actually missed being there for all three. He came in right when I was ready to give birth with Brett. He was up at the Cow Palace in San Francisco and they paged him. He was still going to Stanford at the time. He hadn't signed. And they finally got a hold of him and he got down there just as I was being rolled into delivery. So he did make that one. Aaron, he didn't see until he was <laughs> six, weeks. six weeks old because that was the year he was going to make the team. And he went to spring training and you just didn't leave when you had a baby or anything back then. You just didn't. And it was fine with me. I was home with, with my family and Bob's family was there. And I said, go, you need to make the team. This is your time. I'm not keeping you from that. We'll see you when we can see you. So we ended up, I think I flew into Cincinnati and I got on the elevator and Pete Rose was on the elevator and Bob walked in. And that's the first time he saw Aaron and Aaron was about six weeks old. And then he saw Matthew when he was about four days old or something like that. Well, that year I was in spring training. I had already put in my contract with uh, the general manager that they would let me go home. And uh, I was having a real good spring and uh, talking to him, talking to Sue, and I was going to be the starting catcher. And I got got a little nervous. I thought, if I take off now and go for five weeks, when she has Aaron, you know, I don't want to give somebody else a chance of getting this job. I'm having a real good spring and I'm going to be the catcher. And so near the end, I went and talked to him and said, I think I ought to stay here because I don't want anybody else taking, taking my place. And, uh, and that, so she, she had Aaron and, uh, and I got to see them when they were uh, six weeks, uh, six weeks old. Yeah. And they flew into uh, Cincinnati. Uh, we were on the road to Cincinnati. So I saw Aaron when he was six weeks old. <laughs> See, Rich, now you know why Aaron and Matthew have daddy issues. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pressure in that game. And you see how I just turned out perfectly fine. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Well, dad was there for me. Right. He wasn't there for the I other mean, two clowns. 
(laughs) (laughs) You said that in front of your mom and you're going to get smacked when she sees you. But that's the thing that people don't understand about baseball families. And you're a, you're a three generation baseball family that for the dads, you miss half of everything. So I know when I worked, I used to have a sign in the living room and said, this marriage will be temporarily suspended for the baseball season. (laughs) And my wife used to tell me, she goes, you know, honey, I feel like a single mom because you're gone so much. So Brett, you saw it as a kid. You saw it as a father. Sue, explain to people what it's like to be in a baseball family, because we all think, oh, it's great. And the wives are dripping with diamonds and they have everything under the sun. (laughs) It's a lot of work, Sue. She ran it all. She ran it all. I don't take any credit for the kids. I, I just did it all to her. And uh, I'd run around and tell them, here's what you're doing wrong with your swing. You got to do this. <laughs> but she handled all of it. So I just let it run. You know, I think it's all relative. I think it's all what you get used to. I We got married when we were 19 years old. Yeah. I I didn't know anything. I didn't know any better. And Back then, you know, you were a housewife, you were a mother, you took care of your kids. And fortunately, I didn't have to work outside the home. I got to be there for all my kids growing up, and it was absolutely wonderful. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. I think, you know, I don't feel like I did anything out of the ordinary. We had, back then, you had, uh, your family was the baseball team. The wives all stuck together. We were very close and we still are to this day. We're still close with all the, with the teams that Bob played with. And we supported each other when our guys were gone. We were there for each other when they were home. We got to spend some quality time. Now I'm having to deal with him being home 24 seven and it's driving me nuts. (laughs) I mean, he doesn't want me to go anywhere. And I try to explain to him, you know, it's, Running a house, running a household takes time and I have to do things and go places and get handyman in here to do things. And it drives him nuts. And, you know, I don't know if he'll ever get it, but he just went on a trip with Brett this past week to go see Jake play for four days. It was fabulous. (laughs) I got so much done. I got to see my girlfriends. I got to go out to dinner. I had a wonderful time, and I told Brett when he came home, I said, when are you guys going again? <laughs> well, well Brett, I mean, this is the thing that I used to get in trouble for. When the season was over, I'd come home, and I'd mess up all the routine that my wife had for six months. Did, did you have that when you would come home? You'd mess up the routine of when the kids are going to bed, get them to school, and, and Sue, uh, same to you. When Bob would come home uh, during the offseason, everybody would say, Daddy's home, but he messes up everybody's schedule. Yeah. My kids would say in in September, my kids would say, oh, mom, October's coming. And I said, I know. And they said, oh, because they knew he'd come home and try to take over and he couldn't. And he really didn't want to. I think he just felt like that was his job. And so it would take him the month of October to realize I don't want to do this. It isn't my job. I'm just going to be a dad and barbecue and do all the stuff I have to do in the winter. But every year, my kids would say the same thing. Oh, it's almost October. <laughs> and that's well, why. I, 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Rich, in, in my case, I think the off seasons were, I didn't really have that, that awakening until I was done playing during, during my career, uh, the winter would hit and I, especially the second half of my career, I'd, I'd take about a week off and I'd be back to getting ready for the preparing for next spring training. And a part of that was golf. You know, mom and dad, they had, they had a little bit different of a life because they got married at such a young age, had you know, had me when they were 20 years old. So I was kind of around their whole life. Whereas my kids, you know, I had them a little bit older. Uh, and at the beginning of my career, I'd come home for the off season. And at the very beginning, there were no kids. So it was easy for me. I'd go golfing. I'd, you know, start preparing. We'd go on a trip here, a trip there. And now we're a month away from spring training and we're just kind of cruising to the finish line. Later in my career, uh, you know, I'd have my workout. So I'm going to work out every day. We're going to have a trip at maybe a trip at Christmas or Thanksgiving, uh, might go on a hunting trip. And other than that, I'm, I'm getting up every day. I'm going to the cages. I'm going to the gym. And I had my, my, uh, you know, my routine till we get to spring training. The rude awakening for me was when I retired and, and this is all I've known and all I've done my whole life. And I remember talking to reporters, they'd always ask me, hey, you, you think about when you retire, unlike my dad or my brother who went right into the game when they when they finished. I didn't have those aspirations. I just thought to myself and now looking back, a very naive thought was, you know, when I'm done playing baseball, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm going to go right off in the sunset and I'm going to go golfing and go on vacation. Well, I woke up about five years later looking around going, well, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. You can only golf so much. You can only go on vacation and party so much. Um, so I had some growing up to do and, and, you know, looking back, life is so, it's so funny because, you know, when I'm, when I'm 22, I know everything. When I'm 30, I laugh at that 22 year old. And, and then you're the, the, the wily veteran at 36, 37, you think, you know, everything. And, and now I'm looking back at 54, I'm looking back at that 37 year old guy ready to retire and man, did he not know what, what real life was about and it was about to hit you. So uh, I suggested to, to, you know, my kids, it's like you keep doing things. I remember playing golf in Florida. That's where I lived in the off season. And, and I'd play with these gentlemen on the weekend. We had a weekend game and all my buddies were older. You know, they were they, my golf crew. There was a couple guys in their 60s, late 60s, all very well to do, you know, had been very successful. And I'd always look at them and I'd say, why are you still working? You know, you live here, you got plenty of money. And and a couple times they said to me, Brett, never stop working. You know, when you stop when you stop working, you start dying. That's what they told me. And I said, ah, whatever. You're just an old man. Well, I understand that now. And I understand that life is more than then playing baseball, playing your career, finishing. Uh, it's about, you know, being a part of your kids' lives. Um, you know, mom and dad still to this day, a very big part of all our lives. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting road, a different road than my dad has taken, or as Aaron has taken, definitely different road than Matthew. 
so we're, we're all unique in our own way, but uh, I wouldn't trade trade anything for the world. Bob, let me follow up with that then. What's it like watching all three of your boys become so successful, such great dads, such great people in all their lines of work? Aaron, obviously very successful as the manager of the Yankees, everything that Brett's achieved in his life. And, and we talk about Matthew quite a bit, who um, I would love to have him do a putting green for me, but uh, his turf company is so successful, he just farms that out to everybody else. So unless I've got a major football field that he can help me with, I mean, Matt's become the king of turf on the West Coast right now. So watching all three of these boys grow up and be successful, what's that mean to you? Well, that's huge. It's, it's our family, you know, starting with my dad, my mom. Um, my uncle, my mom's brother, was a doctor, and that's where Sue got sucked in <laughs> when we had babies. <laughs> uh, uncle George was taking care of them, and then uh, she she was pregnant when I was at Stanford my senior year at Stanford, and I had to stay at Stanford to uh, finish school and play in baseball, and Sue came home to San Diego and and uh, when she was having bread and I whipped down uh, <laughs> the night she had bread I got there just in the nick of time but uh, when then I graduated uh, that year and uh, I got sucked no I shouldn't say that I, I got uh, pulled into the army right uh, we've talked about that on the and, podcast uh, and so Sue and, and Brett moved in with my parents, and my dad just took over with uh, Brett. And Brett could do things when he was one years old. It was unbelievable, really. I mean, he could he could swing. He, he could hit a – my dad would be doing baseball with him every day, and he would throw pitches to him when he was one. And he could hit a ball over the roof of the house when he was one years old. And it was all from him being with uh, Grandpa that whole time. It was really – he got the biggest benefit of all the boys uh, getting their getting their skills with baseball come in, and it all came from Grandpa. Tell me – because we often talk on the podcast, and, and I know that you, you all listen. We often talk about uh, Ray and Patsy. Mm -hmm. So whoever wants to jump in first, Bob or Sue, tell me about, tell me about Ray Boone. Well, they're all great athletes. Uh, you know, my dad was, certainly. Uh, he played at, at Hoover High School. Uh, he was about four years, five years younger um, than, uh, than Ted Williams. Ted Williams. Ted Williams, who was at Hoover. Because you went to Crawford, right? I went to Crawford. He went then, to Hoover, that's right. Yeah, and then my mom and my aunt uh, were – were, when they were born, they were twins. They're both outstanding athletes. They did they did everything. Great swimmers. My my uh, my mom's passed away, but her sister, my aunt Martha, is still a professional golfer. At, uh, She's ninety six years old. <laughs> I always call her going. I need a lot of help here with my golf. I, how about if I come home? We'll have breakfast, and you could take me out and show me how to swing a golf club. Um, but so there was a lot of, uh, there's a lot of athletes in that, I mean, in that, uh, in that early, early time. 
And like I say, when I went had to go in the army, uh, and Sue and Brett were living with my parents, my dad was taking Brett out every day, <laughs> and and uh, he really he really taught him how to play baseball before he was one years old. And and uh, I remember huge. I remember Brett when we stayed with Grandpa, but we'd go over there, and every morning after they read the paper together, and Grandpa had his coffee, they'd go out in the driveway and he would throw balls against the garage door and have Brett field them. And they'd do it for an hour, an hour, an hour, take a break. I and mean, how old was Brett at this time? Close to two, probably two. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, Brett did things. I mean, Brett walked when he was six months old. I remember walking through the store and he came up to my kneecap and he was walking and people would just stop and look at him. He crawled for two days and then he got up and he thought, forget this. He got up and walked. My other kids were normal, you know, a, a year old or whatever, but. Brett, are you taking yeah, all this no. in? Oh, I've been, yeah, I've been taking it in for years. I, I, I told you it, they, and it seems like it gets better and better. I thought mom was going to say I walk when I was four months, no. but. No. Six months. She said she stayed pretty consistent. Obviously, I don't have a, a timeline. I can't remember back. I All I have is uh, videos, some pretty cool videos of, of uh, when I was really little and hanging when out. When he was Grandpa. three, we were in Puerto Rico that winter. Bob was playing winter ball and Frank Robinson taught him how to play tennis. And he was down on the tennis court with Frank whenever they were home. And they Frank, I have pictures of him with Frank. You know, hitting the tennis spot. Mom, I got video of that. Rich, you got to see this video. I, I got to video, see that. I got video with me and Frank playing. And after a while, I would get impatient. And I would kind of do a happy Gilmore and just just take a baseball swing and just hit it as far as I could out of the tennis court. And Frank would go, Brett, what are you doing? And I just said, I don't know. I felt like doing it. So I have some cool video of that. Frank what do they call it when you when you get all your, your VCR tapes and you oh, yeah, yeah. transfer them to the modern day? I, I got to get those because I got to see. I think we have a sponsor here. We need to get Legacy Box in here. Oh, I, I'd like to know that. I'd like to. I have because yeah, I've got videos. we've got some cool uh, grandpa videos and all of us as kids, but they got to all be transferred over. We have one more one more story about Puerto Rico. We were down there. Actually, it was the year that Roberto Clemente, they crashed the plane. That's the year we were there in winter ball. And that's why I remember it so well. But we we went down there and a lot of the snowbirds come down right. to Florida or Puerto Rico in the winter. And I would take Brett out to the pool. It was an Olympic-sized pool at this place we were staying in San Juan. Wait, and there was a me, high let dive. Me, let me go in first. My mom taught swimming forever. She was teaching that all the time. So Brett learned how to swim when he was walking. And... Uh, and she would take him in every every day. And then we were down there. We're Sue and I were sitting out. I'll tell the, the pool. story. You don't know what that and, was. And then uh, he came <laughs> out. He came out. Now take it. I take him to the pool every day to swim. And he didn't want to just go off the diving board. He wanted to go off the high dive. Sounds like him. And I said fine because I knew he would be fine. He had been swimming for a while. You know, he was all three years old at, at that point. He climbed up to the high dive. And I mean, some of those people down there freaked <laughs> out. They were, they were little so nervous. Standing up there. So I had to set my chair right by the high dive 
so that I could tell people he's fine, he's fine. And he would dive off the high dive and he would actually do a flip off the high dive into the pool <laughs> when he was three. Wow. So, um, but all the people around there hated us. They yeah. thought we were some kind of criminal. <laughs> That's awesome. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.